Here's a throw to the end zone, right side, and caught for a touchdown by Jordan Thomas. Watson throws back across his body, hits Jordan Thomas for another touchdown. Watson takes the snap, he's going to throw, passes to the end zone, and caught by Hopkins. I mean, you got to give him credit to the receivers and the offensive line. Um, zero sacks, I think. Barely got touched, and then the receivers, you know, just winning their matchup. And, you know, it made it easy for me. Five touchdowns for Deshaun Watson in the Thursday night beatdown over the Dolphins. 42-23 Houston Texans winners after an 0-3 start. Victorious five straight. My goodness, what a turnaround for Houston. Welcome to the NFL Week 8 edition of TSN 4 Downs. I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter at AndyMC81. The show at TSN 4 Downs. Remember, get your fantasy football questions in on Twitter using the hashtag AskAndy. And folks, we're delivered by Domino's. I don't know if you know about this. It's the piece of the pie rewards. You sign up free at Domino's.ca. Then anytime you order online something over $10, you get 10 piece of the pie rewards points every 60 points, you get a free pizza. I do it all the time. So go out, dominoes.ca, and get yourself some delicious Domino's pizza today. Well, there is a ton to talk about, folks. And we're going to go over the Dallas Cowboys situation. They're on the bye, but a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. Giving a Raider, the Raiders an offer they couldn't refuse. Was it too much? Does it make sense? Are they really contenders in the NFC East? Well, I'm going to go over that with Todd Archer. He covers the Dallas Cowboys for ESPN. That'll be in about a half hour time. We'll get into some fantasy football talk with CBS Sports fantasy football analyst Dave Richard. Risky plays, start, sit, sleepers for several of the big matchups this weekend. So we'll get ready for that. But right now, we got a lot to get to. It's time for three and out. Let's go. First down. Now, we talked about the giant win that the Houston Texans had, but they did get some bad news. So after that that teardown of the Dolphins, where, by the way, uh, Brock Osweiler, yeah, uh, came crashing back down to earth. The Brockett ship has landed. Everybody, NFL Network talking about it. I'm on shows across TSN Radio in Canada this week said, what about Brock Osweiler? I said, if people were waiting and didn't think Ryan Fitzpatrick was the real deal earlier, Brock Osweiler certainly is not. And as anticipated, he came crashing back down to earth. Anyway, the Texans' speedy wide receiver, Will Fuller, torn ACL, lost for the season. And this is right around the same time a year ago that Deshaun Watson went down with a torn ACL. Now, much different situation, quarterback, to one receiver, but it's still a loss and could be a significant one. ESPN's Adam Schefter breaks down what this means for Houston. Another blow to a Texans offense that would obviously lose one of its most dynamic playmakers. And it's interesting because if you go back to last year, at the midway point of the season, the Texans lost to Sean Watson to a torn ACL. And now it looks like the same is true of Will Fuller. And this is a team that had turned its season around, is 5-3, and three, is making a push to the playoffs. And you wonder if an injury like this would lead the Texans to get busy at the trade deadline right before the deadline at 4 o'clock Eastern on Tuesday to see if they come up with another wide receiver to try to take some of the pressure off DeAndre Hopkins. Well, you have Hopkins. What was more beneficial, I think, for the Texans in this game was to see second consecutive matchup that Lamar Miller 
is producing in the backfield. He's been just vanilla, bland the last few seasons. If you get that running game really going, that takes something away from needing a Will Fuller. You obviously want that deep threat, but they do have other options. However, that trade scenario that Adam Schefter brought up brings us up to second down. Second down. And the NFL trade deadline this Tuesday at 4 p.m. Now, historically, not much has happened on or leading up to the deadline during the NFL regular season. Typically, very, very small things, not, nothing too exciting, unlike the other sports. This year, boy, it's been much different. There's been a flurry of activity. Well, a guy who wants out, Patrick Peterson, he wants to be traded out of Arizona. He's been open about that. The Broncos are reportedly listening to offers on wide receivers Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. Would that make sense for the Houston Texans to get one of those guys in there? That might be very interesting. And who knows what the hell else the Raiders are going to do. Who knows? Derek Carr out? Maybe. Maybe. Turn it over to A.G. McCarron? Why not? You're burning it all down anyway, John Gruden. But on top of all that, we've already had trades involving Carlos Hyde, Amari Cooper, Eli Apple. Well, the NFL on ESPN panel talks about the Patrick Peterson trade request from the Cardinals as well as the type of players who are requesting trades and what that can do to a locker room. When you're a guy like Patrick Peterson who is in his prime and actually playing this year better than I've seen him in probably the last four or five years, you want to be on a team that's contending. But, you know, Tim talked about it earlier on on this season with Earl Thomas. These teams, they have the control. These contracts say that you belong to these teams until they feel like you don't. And so Patrick Peterson can go to the Arizona Cardinals as much as he wants to, but until they can find something that they feel is worth him, which I believe would have to be a ton, or just feels like it's time for them to part ways, Patrick Peterson would be a part of this organization. Well, it's, it's their prerogative to say noted. We, we know how you feel. We'll be in touch. I mean, that's, that's yeah, all I I think say. the interesting thing, and I think it, it kind of showed itself in the Seattle situation with Earl Thomas, and I think that, um, you know, in every situation is unique, but think about the guys that you're talking about. You're talking about guys, whether it's Earl or whether it's Patrick Peterson, Guys that are leaders, they're like, like not yeah. just respected in their locker rooms, but around the league, mm. not just as awesome players, but I think guys around the league look at them and like the way that just they handle themselves in general in terms of, uh, you know, of the type of guys they are, but as well as the type of players they are. So I think that's what ends up being unique mm. is when you have a, a good guy, a good, a really good player who's like, look, I don't want to be here because for whatever reason, whether it's contract or it's because the team stinks. Right. It doesn't really matter why. Th- that, that ends up being kind of a brutal thing for a locker room to swallow. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. You're not talking about guys with attitude problems. Leaders wanting out, it kills a team. It kills it. And yeah, I get if you want to go to a contender. Everybody does. Everyone wants to try to win a championship. But if you don't have a guarantee, why not keep it behind closed doors? Otherwise, it kills that locker room. And maybe someone like Patrick Peterson thought, well, I'm going to take it public. And then it'll force the issue. But that just, it destroys the team for this year. Not that the cards are going to do anything anyway. They're god-awful. But for any team that does that with any player, it just sucks the life out of a locker room. All right, let's move on. Third down. Now, the Raiders have been accused of tanking with the trading of stud pass rusher Khalil Mack, now top receiver Amari Cooper. Seems like a total fire sale as John Gruden tears down what was a very good core to rebuild in his own image as the team gets ready to move to Vegas. Then you have the 1-6 New York Giants who are playing terribly overall, but I wouldn't call them tanking. They're, they tried to get better. They added Nate Soldier as a left tackle. He's not pulling his weight. 
You added Saquon Barkley, who is in the backfield as a second overall pick, but that's not helping. You signed Odell Beckham Jr. to that big deal. It seemed like they were trying to compete, but now you have players underperforming and bad head coaching from Pat Shermer. Well, TSN 1050 NFL insider, Super Bowl winning punter Mitch Berger spoke about teams trading for the now and bottoming out. I don't know if I want to call it tanking, but I call it being smart. Um, and I also, what I call it is being two new head coaches, that you got John Gruden, he likes what he likes. Whether you believe in the uh, Khalil Mack trade or not, which I absolutely don't, I think he totally missed it by having a superstar, uh, you, know, you know, once in a, a, 20, a 20-year draft kind of defensive guy that they got and they gave up. Um, but he's not his guy. And that's what happens in the NFL. I know I lost my job several times because when a new head coach came in, if you weren't his type of guy or it wasn't, you know, you kind of went against how he felt, uh, he wasn't the guy that you would have originally gotten. You're not always 32 coaches' favorite dudes. And so he's gone with the guys, got rid of some of them in camp. Now they've started the season. They both stink. So then there's these guys that they are like, you know what, I don't really want to work with this guy anyway. This guy to me is, over, is, is under-talented and overpaid. It's not a guy we're going to do anything with in the future anyways. It's not going to be a winning season. I think this is smart. This is, you, dump these, you, you dump these salary guys, these guys that in the offseason you're probably going to get rid of anyways, um, and you get your draft picks and you get a chance to pick your own guys in their place. So to be honest, I think the NFL is finally taking a hint from all the other leagues, all these drafts before, before the deadline trades, trying to load up their teams for the playoff runs. That's what the NFL should have been doing in the first place. That's Mitch Berger, Super Bowl winning punter. And yeah, like it makes it more exciting from a fan perspective, right? That's, you want action at the trade deadline. You want storylines. You want intrigue. And finally, we're getting that. And we could see a whole lot more. So that's, if the NFL is trending in that direction, I, I think that's very exciting. So that's three and out. Now let's punt to the poll question. And you can vote at TSN4Downs on Twitter, at TSN4Downs. I retweeted it as well from at AndyMC81. So our Domino's Canada show poll question is, which of the sub-500 teams, which of these teams under 500, is most likely to make the playoffs? Which of these under 500 teams is most likely to make the playoffs? The Jaguars, the Eagles, the Cowboys, or the Falcons? And let me say this about the Jacksonville Jaguars. This team... The way they have let this championship window nearly slam shut in their face. Because you had to figure, okay, if Deshaun Watson's back, the way he was playing, they're going to be a threat in the division. The Jags caught all the breaks last year. Watson was out. Tennessee was so-so. And Andrew Luck wasn't with the Colts. Well, now they're 3-4. and four. They, kept, they not only kept Blake Bortles, they re-signed Blake Bortles to a contract that cripples them when it comes to the salary cap, so you can't just dump them. And then, on top of that, at least if you go out and get, okay, let's get a serviceable backup, like the Browns did with Drew Stanton. Okay, he had an 11-6 and record as a starter. Good, solid backup. If trouble goes down, he can hold down the fort, and maybe you can have your defense and running game go, go with it. They went with Cody Kessler. And so help me, if I hear on any other NFL publications, shows, networks, how Cody Kessler could be the answer or a viable starter in the National Football League, I'm going to lose it. Okay? Cody Kessler, I know Cody Kessler. You know why I know Cody Kessler? You know why, folks? Because the Browns drafted Cody Kessler. Guess how many games Cody Kessler has won in the NFL in two seasons? Zero. Zero games. Not one, not, oh, he's not very good and he's won a couple. Zero. If you're standing more than five yards away, Cody Kessler might not be able to get you the ball. He's got a noodle arm. He can't throw deep. 
He does have quick decision-making, and you might look at his stats and say, well, Andy, his completion percentage is it's pretty good. Okay, well, he's throwing the ball five yards. On third and long, he's not moving the ball. He's not. I won't even say he's good in between the 20s. He might go out and put up, in relief of a game like some quarterbacks do, Some he had one touch. Okay, this is not the answer, and it's certainly not pushing Blake Bortles. Do it. Like, why you didn't go draft a quarterback? It is shocking to me. So I think the Jags got in their own way. I'm not picking Jacksonville as my pick there. Eagles, Cowboys, Falcons. Let's go quickly behind the glass. <laughs> We're a little late with my, my rant on the Jags. Who do you think out of these sub-500 teams is going to make the playoffs? I'm going to say it's going to be, uh, I'm going to go with the Eagles here. Arad, who are you taking here, man? I agree with every single thing that he said, Andy. <laughs> but I'm going to go Jaguars because oh. it's going to be easier to get an AFC wildcard spot than an NFC wildcard spot. I feel like that's, the NFC is too, load, too loaded there. That's a good point. And 8-8 eight and eight might get you there this year. Producer Sean Lavery, Shani? I'm going to go with the Falcons. I still have faith in Matty <laughs> Ice and Julio Jones, who is a underutilized red zone target, to say the least. I agree, and I think that offense is something that still could be special. It's uh, very surprising they're they're in the basement of that division there. But you can vote at TSN4Downs, at AndyMC81, on which sub-500 team is most likely to make the playoffs. Well, we'll take the break. After that, some fantasy football talk. CBS Sports fantasy analyst Dave Richard joins me next for Start, Sits, Risky Plays, and Sleepers. That's coming up next on TSN4Downs. Hungry? Domino's has you covered. Grab any medium feast pizza for only $10.99 or dive into our delivery and carryout specials at dominoes.ca. Domino's is more than just pizza. Try our delicious side dishes like pasta and chicken wings and don't forget our irresistible marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Perfect food for the big game if you're in a hurry or just because. Check out all the great deals at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. Rolling along here, TSN 4 Downs on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1150 Hamilton. I'm Andy McNamara. Follow me on Twitter at AndyMC81, the show at TSN 4 Downs. You can get your fantasy football questions into me on Twitter using the hashtag AskAndy. We'll get to a few of the best ones in the last segment of the show. Before we get to our fantasy football guest, uh, Shawnee, you like that, uh, that that little Jags Cody Kessler rant from the last segment? That was impressive. Your face was red. <laughs> it was amazing. As red as the TSN logo. Oh, it gets me burned up, man. Yeah, because when you see talent like that, elite defense, solid running game, Blake Bortles, and Cody Gessler. It drives me nuts. It's sad. It's really sad. sad. Uh, so, did you have a, a question for me, Sean? I do actually have a question you, you, you for have you. A what if? With the, with the hashtag Ask Andy. Okay. Would you rather have Patrick Mahomes using his offhand hand for the entire game, so that'd be throwing left-handed when he's a righty, yep. or the savior of Buffalo Bills football, Nathan Peterman? Gross question. And Pat Mahomes, I would have him just like throwing it with his foot, like just kicking it. Nate Peterman isn't suited to watch someone's car. Certainly not a nice one. And I would put Cody Kessler slightly above Nate Peterman as a third-string quarterback. Nate Peterman is hot garbage. I think that Sean McDermott in Buffalo, if you're a Bills fan, you should question every talent evaluation that team makes because he kept going back to Nate Peterman. Disgusting. Disgusting for a playoff team to trade away A.J. McCarron, who's not great on his own. Nate Peterman and poor Josh Allen gets banged up because of that offensive line. Anyway. I digress. Let's get to some fantasy football talk. I caught up with Dave Richard of CBS Fantasy a little bit earlier on. 
Dave, you have a great piece out on CBS Sports with starts, sits, risks, and sleepers for every single NFL game this week. So let's go through a few of these matchups. And I want to start with you, with the Redskins and the Giants. And hey, tight end Jordan Reed hasn't produced a double-digit fantasy outing since week three. And even with the position being so banged up, you're advising sit him this week. Is that right? Andy, there's no reason in the world to go with Jordan Reed. He has disappointed <laughs> fantasy owners all season long. Yeah. And part of the reason is because he's not as explosive as he used to be. But also the fact that Alex Smith hasn't been a great quarterback for him. I've watched every single snap of his this year. There's some plays they make that it looks pretty good. And there's other ones where the ball is thrown a foot in front of him, a yard over his head. Just definitely not what you'd want your quarterback throwing to your tight end. And we've actually had some pretty good tight ends break out this season. Guys from O.J. Howard to David Njoku, Austin Hooper, who's on by this week, has done some good things. Even Chris Herndon with the Jets has looked good the past couple of weeks. So fantasy owners have options now, and they don't have to go with Jordan Reed, who's not an old man, but sure feels like he's playing like one. So I think that he's someone that fantasy owners can get away from this week. And I, I think that's a great tip because sometimes you just go with name recognition, right? It's like, oh, yeah, Jordan Reed, I, I know him. And so you just plug him in and maybe not pay attention. But that's that's uh, I'm absolutely with you on that. Now, the other side of that matchup, we have Evan Ingram of the Giants, who many expected to be that breakout guy this year. But he's been injured. He's been in and out of the lineup. And he just hasn't put it together either, has he? Well, the problem with Evan Ingram is he shares the field now with Odell Beckham, Saquon Barkley, and Sterling yeah. Shepard, and his quarterback isn't very good. <laughs> and he also took a nasty concussion in the preseason. So the story that, that, that I see here with Ingram is that I thought he was going to be uh, a very important piece of the Giants' offense. And what ended up happening is he took a concussion, and I think it's made him a little bit more tentative. Hmm. I don't think he's quite the same player that he was last year, and he's absolutely not in the same situation as last year. Remember, Odell got hurt. Right. Uh, Saquon Barkley was at Penn State. So really the Giants had nothing else on offense but to lean on Evan Ingram, and now I just feel like he's fallen behind because of the concussion in the preseason, and then he got hurt in the regular season too. Ingram's made one really good play all year, and it came in garbage time against Dallas. So I think this is another guy that fantasy owners should – they could get away with cutting him at this point. He's not going to be someone – who will be reliable on a week-to-week basis at tight end. Yep, as long as everyone's healthy on that Giants offense. So no Jordan Reed, no Evan Ingram. So for fantasy players here, Dave, what should they do outside of the obvious links to Gronk and Kelsey? Well, there are definitely some good options out there. I mentioned a couple. O.J. Howard has a great matchup this week against Cincinnati. It definitely has the opportunity to be a high-scoring game. And we know that Howard has not only come through with touchdowns from Jameis Winston, but also yardage. I believe he has at least 60 yards each of his last three games and has really become a fairly reliable part of the Tampa Bay offense. On the other side of the ball, C.J. Uzama has ended up replacing Tyler Eifert as the primary tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals. And while he doesn't get as many targets as you might like, I do think that he's got touchdown potential, and Tampa Bay has been terrible defending tight ends all season long. So those are two guys, and, and I'll mention Chris Herndon again of the Jets. We know the Jets are going into a matchup against the Bears that isn't very good, but they're running out of wide receivers. Robbie Anderson's not expected to play. Quincy Nunwa is hurt. So Sam Darnold's going to have to throw the ball to somebody, and I think Herndon has stepped up nine targets in the last two weeks, six catches, almost 100 yards, and a touchdown in each of the last two games. I think if you're streaming tight ends or if you're just desperate to find one to replace a guy who's on bye, 
Herndon's a good one. And by the way, he plays the Bills next week, so the good oh. matchup are going to come in his favor. Anything against the Bills seems good these days. In conversation with Dave Richard of CBS, fantasy football expert on Twitter, at Dave Richard. Okay, let's go to some other matchups here. In the Ravens-Panthers matchup, the wide receiver position for Baltimore I think is very interesting, Dave, because you have a trio in John Brown, Crabtree, and Sneed who share the primary load, but it's tough to predict which one, and sometimes two or three can go off. Like It seems like it's just being spread out. Is there one that you like this week, in particular between the Panthers and the Ravens, out of that trio? Well, the one that I like this week is the one that I like every week, and it's the one with big play potential, and that's John Brown. Mm -hmm. And we've seen it almost every week this season. He gets seven or more targets. He catches a little bit more than half of them but he's got a chance to make downfield plays. And that's just something that Michael Crabtree can't do. It's something that Willie Sneed isn't asked to do. And it really provides some upside for for what fantasy owners are looking for. We're looking for points, big yards, touchdowns, catches. And John Brown can offer you all three of those things. The other thing to keep in mind with the Ravens is that all these different receivers, while they might not be great for fantasy, they make Joe Flacco better. And I do think that Flacco is an interesting start this week. And because he's got all these receivers to go to, his numbers are actually not very bad. And the run game for Baltimore is also suffering, which means Flacco's got to take on more of the work. So Brown's my favorite of the bunch. I don't know if Carolina has a defensive back that can actually roll with him. I think his speed makes a difference. And Flacco's been playing well. It's funny what drafting a quarterback in the first round will do to motivate a veteran. And that's what we're seeing in Baltimore. I, I I think John Brown is definitely worth starting as a number two receiver this week. Yeah, that's a great point. Alex Smith, same thing last year when Pat Mahomes was there. Uh, one more matchup for you here, Dave. Colts taking on the Raiders. So Mari Cooper, as we know, he's gone. So the primary target to me really comes down to, okay, is it Jordy Nelson or is it Jared Cook, the tight end there? Who do you think out of that Raiders offense is worth starting in your fantasy lineup, if anybody? Well, it's Cook because of the tight end position, but he's a low-end starter. And yeah. He's not very consistent, and that's been the story of Jared Cook's entire career. Jordy has been consistent in the past, but what I've seen from the Raiders is that they like to get rid of the ball quickly, and they're especially doing it now because they're starting two rookie tackles. They've got another guard that's missing for this game, and it's going to really hurt Derek Carr. He's not going to have time to sit back in the pocket, scan the field, and, and go to his guy. He's got, to, he's got to get rid of that ball quickly. And I think Jared Cook is going to be the one that really benefits. When, when you go and you watch the Raiders play, this is when they had Cooper. They had two really big targets. Cooper was one. Cook was the other, and I mean big, literally, like right. a big physical target that Derek Carr can just see and throw to, and there's a big catch radius. Well, now Cooper's gone. Who's left? It's Cook. I would imagine that Jared Cook will see a consistent bump in target somewhere in the neighborhood of 7 to 8, which is great for a tight end. There aren't a lot of tight ends that get that much attention week in and week out, and I think we'll see it, and I think we're going to continue to see the Raiders play from behind because Oakland's defense isn't very good and their offense is going to chase points, and they don't have Marshawn Lynch for the foreseeable future. It's going to be a situation where Derek Carr is throwing a lot of passes, and it's going to be his tight end, Jared Cook, getting most of the damage. And it won't be – there will be some prolific games for Jordy Nelson. I just don't know if this is necessarily going to be one of them, and I don't know if we can actually predict when they'll come because he's just such a flighty type of wide receiver. That's the problem. It's kind of, You're always kind of going to be chasing a Jordy Nelson big day. Uh, Dave, sure, but I can tell you a running back in that game oh. that, uh, or for that team that could be good, especially in PPR leagues, is Jalen Richard. Yeah. Um, and he's still out there in a bunch of fantasy leagues. I think in over 50% of leagues on CBS, you can still get Jalen Richard. 
although by the time kickoff comes around on Sunday, that number is going to be much, much higher. Yeah, he's caught six or more passes in three of his last four games, and he's going to be somebody else that starts to siphon some of those targets left behind by Amari Cooper. And again, when they're chasing points, it's not going to be Doug Martin on the field. It will be Jalen Richard. So if you need a running back that can get you some cheap points, I think Richard's the guy. And to your point, you got the rookie tackles, get rid of the ball quick, nice outlet pass to the running back always helps. That's a nice option yeah. as well. Uh, two quick Twitter questions for you here, Dave. Uh, first one coming from at Malarkey6900. says, I have a spotty RB2 situation in my PPR league. Bears Jordan Howard versus the Jets or Ravens Alex Collins against Carolina. Help. Yeah, this is a <laughs> tough spot. I would probably lean a little bit toward Howard this week, and it's going to be a week-to-week thing with those running backs. But Jordan Howard should have plenty of opportunities just to get some yardage and hopefully score a touchdown against the Jets. Their run defense hasn't been very good. So even though Collins might get a couple more catches than Jordan Howard, I think Howard will have the better numbers. And last one for you here from Daquan on Twitter. says, need one of these guys in my half PPR league at running back. Chris Thompson, who's banged up. Nick Chubb of the Browns. Naheem Hines for the Colts. Or Raheem Mostert of the uh, 49ers. So this is a guy who does a really good job of scanning his waiver wire each week and picking up good players. I like this. That's part of the secret to winning at fantasy football. And Nick Chubb's going to be the one that he goes with. But, again, this is going to be a week-to-week thing. I think Chubb is just the one with the most potential to score against Pittsburgh. Certainly will get the most touches of anybody in that game. But don't sleep on Raheem Mostert, M-O-S-T-E-R-T, could be the best running back in San Francisco until Matt Burita comes back. Hmm. Interesting. Well, Dave, this has been a real pleasure, man. Let's do it again soon. Thank you so much. You got it. Take care and good luck in your leagues this weekend. There you go. CBS Sports Fantasy Expert Dave Richard on Twitter, at Dave Richard. We'll step aside and get into what the Dallas Cowboys are doing, trading a first-round pick for Amari Cooper in the state of the NFC East. Cowboys ESPN reporter Todd Archer joins me next here on TSN 4 Downs. Welcome back, TSN 4 Downs, NFL Week 8 edition here on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1150 Hamilton. I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter at AndyMC81, the show at TSN 4 Downs. Get your fantasy football questions into me for Week 8 using hashtag ask. Andy, we'll have that segment coming up at the end of the show, as well as our big three locks of the week. And folks, we're delivered by Domino's. Go grab yourself a loaded medium feast pizza for just $10.99. Do yourself a favor, okay? Trust me. Get the marble cookie brownie for dessert. Do it. Let me know how you like it. Go to dominoes.ca today. That's dominoes.ca. Well, the Dallas Cowboys, even in a bye week, making a lot of noise. A first-round pick. First-round pick for Amari Cooper, giving it to the Oakland Raiders, who are just burning the whole house down. But an offer they couldn't refuse. I chat about that and the state of the NFC East. Who's legit and who's not with ESPN Cowboys reporter Todd Archer. Todd, of course, the big news coming out of Dallas earlier in the week. A first-round pick for Amari Cooper from the Oakland Raiders, an offer John Gruden could not refuse. When you look at how the Cowboys are built, the state of the NFC East, what did you think of this move? To give up that much, does it make sense for Dallas? Well, it's a situation where they felt like they're in this deal. They had three and four. They're two games back of the Redskins that they're not out of this. If they can get one player that can make a difference and get them get the passing game going, they feel like this can be a playoff team. Uh, and, you know, Cooper, just the threat of Amari Cooper was something Scott Linehan was talking about. That every time he break, they break the huddle, 
teams are going to have to know where he lines up. They haven't had that threat the first seven games of the season. That's made life hard for Dak Prescott, life hard for Ezekiel Elliott, and life hard for Linian. So they feel like this is really something can open up the passing game, get some points, and then you're in this playoff chase. Well, and that's... I, I, I totally agree with you on, on why Dallas did it that way, because then all of a sudden what it does is, okay, it pushes Cole Beasley back to a spot where you don't have to necessarily rely on him as much, or he goes into a more comfortable role. Zeke Elliott, as you said, you got to account for Cooper on every play. That just helps free everybody up. Now, when he's going it, when it, through practice this week and everything, from what you've heard, is he acclimatizing well to, to Dallas, to the Cowboys team? Uh, that's what everybody's saying. And then Jason Garrett called him a football guy. Nice. He's learning everything. But but these two practices, really, they're about 45 minutes long. So they really didn't do any sort of <laughs> deep dive into what this offense is really about. And I guess you can make the argument there's not much to deep dive into with how much they've struggled. It can't be that hard mm-hmm. to learn. But when they get back from the bye, that will be a situation where he and Dak Prescott will get together before they get some practices going, see what the quarterback likes, doesn't like, see what the receiver likes, what he doesn't like and kind of get on the same page. Because it's not so much, hey, here are the plays, this is the route you have to run. It's more of the nuance and the detail that you have to really work on in the practice during games and get a time on task to know what the other's going to be doing without even thinking about it. And that's going to be hard to do, you know, right away for that first game against Tennessee. But, again, the Cowboys feel like they just needed to do something like this to kind of jumpstart themselves after looking at how close that they've been to winning some of these games that they've that, that they've lost early on, but a situation where they can get into the playoffs and, and really their take is, hey, anything can happen once you get into there. Look what happened in Philadelphia last year with the backup quarterback. Yeah, oh, well, that that's a terrific point. Within they have an example within their division and perfect time to bring Cooper in during the bye week, extra week to get used to everybody and get going from there. But let's talk about that NFC East for a moment here, Todd. And you look at Washington at four and two. I'm not scared by Washington. They seem to me have 8-8 eight eight written all over them. But you know what? This year, 8-8 eight eight might win that division. Uh, what do you think? Let's go team by team real quick here. What do you think of Washington as a legit division contender here? Because they might just have to be like good enough and stay like even keel, and maybe they win this thing. Right, and that's, I, I, that's the mo- team that I've seen the most recent the Cowboys play, and the Cowboys were a shady snap and fraction penalty away from sending the game into overtime. Uh, after being down 10 points with about five minutes to go. So there was, and offensively, there was nothing that scared you. You know, Adrian Peterson oh. ran effectively and, and really 90 some odd yards, did a good job in that game, but it didn't lead to any points. The Cowboys did a good job tightening in the red zone. So the Cowboys feel like they have a defense that matches up well with, with Washington. And, and if they can get something going in this offense, that you look at the Washington defense, kind of built for the Cowboys with the, how they've drafted in those two Alabama guys in the first round the last two years to answer the Cowboys first round offensive lineman that they've gone. So that rematch there when they, when they meet in November, that that's going to be telling to see a, where the Cowboys are by then, but that could be a game where, you know, that could be for the division, but there's, Hmm. there's no doubt the Redskins don't scare anybody in this division. No, no, and the rest of the division is so inconsistent. In conversation with Todd Archer, ESPN NFL Nation reporter covering the Dallas Cowboys. Let's move to the Super Bowl, defending Super Bowl champ, the Philadelphia Eagles. Three and four, we've seen Carson Wentz shake off the rust, and it really seems like he's coming back into his own there, Todd. How dangerous do you think the Eagles are overall? Yeah, I think that's the dangerous team in the division, and it's probably because you're every, we, we still have the Super Bowl team in our head, not the team that's gone 3-4, and four, yes. not the team that lost a 17 nothing lead in the fourth quarter to Carolina. Um, 
But Wentz has played better. We'll, we'll see if he can kind of get going with his receivers who have missed some time, get them going. Their running game is, is a, a bit spotty, obviously. And then, you know, the, the defense, Fletcher Cox is a guy that's given the Cowboys fits. Jenkins is a guy that's given the Cowboys fits. My feeling on the Eagles is I'm just waiting for them to put it together. And I keep waiting and waiting and waiting. I don't know if seven weeks in, if I should just stop waiting <laughs> and saying this is what they are, and this is an 8-8, eight 9-17 and, eight, nine and 17 like the Redskins, like the Cowboys, and you're a situation where if you just don't give games away, you're going to be in this thing till the end. Well, and, and that's the thing. Each game in that division, this is one of the most interesting divisions in football to me outside of the Giants because you have those three teams and every game, not just divisional, but every game, no matter what, is so important because, as you said, an 8-8, eight and eight, a 9-7 and seven could win this thing. So if it takes Philly a couple more weeks to completely get back to where they are, hey, it, it might be turning into too late in that division, eh? Right. Yeah, and I don't buy Doug Peterson saying this takes the pressure off. No one's going to expect us no. to win. No, there's pressure on you because people thought you would be the team that would be able to uh, answer that NFC curse, that you could, you had staying power, that you could be one of the NFC's best teams. There, there's pressure on those guys. And, you know, even if they were to, to lose in London uh, on Sunday, they're still going to be in it. Because as we've said about fifty times already, mm-hmm. every, no one is going to be able to pull away no. and just run away from anybody the way the Eagles did last year. Right. And last one for you here: the Giants. Now we know they're not going to be in the conversation for the division, but one and six. I don't know about you, Todd, but I thought at least with they added some depth and some improvement on the offensive line. They got the stud Saquon Barkley. OBJ got paid and should be happy. Sterling, like, and Eli Manning had the confidence of his coach. Everything was lining up for this team. I'm not saying to win the division, but at least be respectable, be good. Wow. It, it's. Are you surprised with how bad they've been? Yeah, I thought. I, I thought, like everybody, I thought they'd be better. Yeah. I didn't think they'd be a playoff team because I, I thought we've seen the end of, of Eli Manning as mm-hmm. an elite or to a very good, uh, very good to elite quarterback in the last couple of years. I didn't think he could find that secret sauce again that he did from the super, two Super Bowl runs. So that's why I was surprised when they took Saquon Barkley, not because Barkley didn't deserve to be taken second overall. He's a great player. He'll be a great player for years to come. But it's so hard to find that franchise guy. I thought the Giants would have started that process uh, of finding the franchise quarterback when we saw how the draft played out and what other teams thought of them. But it's not, you know, they paid Nate Solder, highest paid left tackle. He's not played as of that to that no. level. Eli's not played to the level you expect him to play. Odell's played well, but he's not been, you know, he dropped a two-point conversion play. That was a big pass in that Monday night game. Uh, the guys that they're counting on to make the big plays – they've not played well enough. And you knew that you knew the defense would have some lumps and take some hits, but you thought the offense could carry it a little bit with Pat Shermer, and they've just not, not been able to do that. No, they haven't. Well, Todd, it's going to be real fun to watch Amari Cooper and the Cowboys in that division the rest of the way when Dallas returns from the bye next week. Thank you so much for taking the time. You got it. No, no problem. Thanks. There he goes, Todd Archer. ESPN covers the Cowboys on Twitter, at Todd Archer. Very interesting, that NFC East. We will take the break. Come back to wrap up the show. I'll be answering some of your fantasy football questions. You can still get them in using hashtag AskAndy on Twitter, at AndyMC81. We'll also get to our big three game picks of the week, our locks of the week, and some fantasy football tips, too. Some sleepers that I have. That's coming up next on TSN 4 Down. Back 
to wrap up the NFL Week 8 edition of TSN 4 Downs. TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1150 Hamilton. I'm Andy McNamara. Get me on Twitter at AndyMC81. Instagram at AndyMCSports. And the show at TSN and the number 4 Downs. Well, every week you guys bring it on Twitter using hashtag AskAndy for your fantasy football questions. Any ones we don't get to here, I will try to get to on Twitter before Sunday kickoff. So if your question doesn't get answered, don't worry. You can still send them in. Hashtag AskAndy at AndyMC81. So, that being said, let's get to it. It's time for Ask Andy with TSN 4 Downs fantasy analyst Andy McNamara. You can join the conversation on Twitter and get your fantasy football questions answered by tweeting at AndyMC81 using the hashtag AskAndy. All right, producer Sean Lavery. Shawnee, what's the first hashtag Ask Andy question? First hashtag Ask Andy comes from Francois. you got to pick one of these quarterbacks, Andy Mack. Okay. Drew Brees, Jared Goff, Andrew Luck, or Jameis Winston. According to Francois, uh, Jameis Winston going up against the 29th-ranked pass defense in the Bengals. Uh, Goff going up against the top-four pass defense in the Packers. Right. Out of that group... I love Jameis Winston this week, and it's because of the potential shootout with the Bengals. Andy Dalton's going to be checking up. Winston is fearless. He is the classic gunslinger in the purest sense of the word. He doesn't care. He'll throw three, four interceptions, and it won't phase him. He'll throw four or five touchdowns. Doesn't matter. Jameis Winston has been a fantasy beast since returning. So I'll say Winston first. If you have to pick a second one in the in that ranking there, I'll go with Andrew Luck. He has the second most touchdown passes in the NFL, and he plays a Raiders team that is just off the rails. So I'd say Winston first, then Luck. Our second one comes from at DCAR15, hashtag AskAndy, and we've got to battle the tight ends here. Hmm. Eric Ebron of the Colts or Jared Cook of the Raiders? I've loved Eric Ebron all year, but with players getting healthy, T.Y. Hilton coming back, he's seen a little bit of a drop-off. And in that first game, he went from consistently double-digit fantasy points in PPR to single digits. So I'm going to go Jared Cook, and also a big reason why Jared Cook gets a massive uptick Mari Cooper's gone, right? <laughs> Who's he going to throw to? It might be Jordy Nelson. You can't rely on Jordy Nelson. If teams target in on him, Derek Carr, who's been banged up, he's going to be looking for those safer passes. And Jared Cook, while he's been a little boomer bust and inconsistent over his career, he has found some chemistry with Derek Carr. So I really like Jared Cook in this matchup. I think you got to go with Cook. Our last one comes from at Isles Fan in Montreal. Hashtag Ask Andy. And I got to say, me and him have a lot in common because our running backs are in shambles right oh, now. Boy. But this guy says he's lost Jay Ajayi, he's lost Leonard Fournette, he's lost Sony Michelle. So he wants to know should he trade Lions wide receiver Kenny Galladay for Redskins running back Adrian Peterson? Oh. And he has Mike Evans and AJ Green on his roster as well. Okay, so he has Evans and AJ Green. Right. Okay, you know what? If you're that, if you're that in shambles and there's no other better option on the waiver wire, which I'm guessing there is not, um, I'd make that deal. And I, I'm a Kenny Galladay fan. I am. I really like what he's been able to do with the Lions. But if you're that deep, Evans is a stud. A.J. Green, we know, is going to be a weekly producer. So if you're that in shambles, it's not the Adrian Peterson of old, but he's still been putting up 90-something yards. Looks like he can be serviceable for you. A guy who you might want to look to stream, one of my fantasy sleepers this week on my DraftKings playbook article, LeGarrette Blunt. I would look to, to maybe stream him as well. Not over AP necessarily, but if you're playing DFS or you're really in a pinch, Blunt has reemerged as that vulture, right? Like if, if, you're, if you own a your three down back, you hate LeGarrette Blunt throughout his career. Because and carry on Johnson, if you're a carry on Johnson owner with Lions, you hate Legarrette Blunt now because he's back to vulturing touchdowns. He's getting a touchdown or two a game. He's solidly back in that double digit fantasy point 
uh, potential there. And he keeps producing it over the last month after a slow start. So LeGarrette Blunt, another option on that one. So that was hashtag Ask Andy. If your question did not get answered, I will get to it on Twitter. Or you can send in yours still at AndyMC81. Okay, now that's the fantasy talk. Let's get to our picks. The Big Three. And, Shawnee, can you give us an update how our Big Three locks of the week were a week ago? You know, normally I'd love to, but last week we did not have a good week. All three of us lost. So Andy Mack picked the Falcons minus four versus the Giants. Atlanta won by just three, so you lose. You were actually the closest of the three of us. Man. Arad picked Miami as a three-point underdog. They lost by 11 to the Lions. It was a gutsy pick. It was was a gutsy pick. Uh, I don't know if this could be described as gutsy or stupid. I picked the Jets as a three and a half point underdog at home against Minnesota. New York lost by twenty. Woo-wee. So after three weeks of uh, the big three, we are combined four, four, and one. So we're not losing money, but we're not making money. Okay, we're we're five hundred. Let's see if we can get back on the right track here in the big three. I'm going to go Washington over the Giants. I've also put a ban this week on taking the the Patriots over the Bills because that's just just too easy. Uh, but Washington over the Giants. The Giants. Are a 1.0 favorite, a one point favorite over the four and two Washington Redskins. I don't get it. The Giants have shown nothing to show that they can that they can win. Right now, they looked okay near the end of that game, but questionable play call. I'm not trusting Pat Sherman. He's a terrible head coach. Washington and Alex Smith, they're vanilla, they're boring, but they will be good enough to get the job done. So I take Washington outright in that one. Shawnee, what are you taking? I'm going to take the Rams as minus nine favorites uh, against Green Bay in Los Angeles. Ooh. The Rams are the hot hand in the NFL, right? So you yeah. got to keep riding them while they're hot. Aaron Rodgers' skill players around him, they're either injured or not at 100%. It's not right there. And I don't have any faith in Mike McCarthy. So the McCarthy X Factor <laughs> uh, gives me faith in Jared Goff's and the Rams that they'll win by more than nine. More than nine? Yeah. Wow. At home, though. Who? It is at home. If it was in Lambeau, maybe a different story. the big story. stat of the week is this is the biggest underdog Aaron Rodgers has ever been in his career. Boy, man. I agree with you. The Rams will win that nine points. I, don't, I'm, I wouldn't take that. But, hey, we're gutsy here on TSM Four Downs, baby. Go with your gut. Arad, who do you like? Who do you like, man? In a battle of t- teams with good quarterbacks and everybody else is mediocre on the roster, I'm going with the Seattle Seahawks, okay. who are three-point underdogs versus the Detroit Lions. Now the game is in Detroit, but Detroit's up and down, man. One week they're good, one yeah. week they're bad. I feel like the Seahawks are the more consistent team, and they're both dome teams. They're both dome teams. They're both middle of a pack in every stat, except the Seahawks have the third best passing defense in the league. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that will be the tiebreaker right there. I feel like they can keep Stafford not in check, but he won't go as wild as he usually wants to. Therefore, I feel like the Seahawks are my pick this week. Seattle Seahawks from our technical producer, Arad Asvandi. Love it. Okay, and you know what? For the Seahawks, too, if you're looking to... Pick up a sleeper in that wide receiver core, which is so all over the place, right? So all over the place. Baldwin, Lockett, are they up? Are they down? Take this guy. This is your deep sleeper, folks, okay? You got to set an alarm for this one. Get your scuba gear, deep dive. David Moore, wide receiver for the Seahawks on your DFS DraftKings lineup. He's 3600 bucks. He will be available on your waiver wire. 100%. He will be available. But he has gotten over and move past Brandon Marshall, who's been a dud of a free agent signing on that Seahawks roster. He's taller. He's the only six-foot receiver between Baldwin and Lockett. And he has three touchdowns in his last two games, 13.2 and 18.8 PPR fantasy points for 
the Seahawks. So that means Russell Wilson is getting confidence in him. Now, he's still a little bit of a boomer bust guy as far as touchdown. But you see that confidence. He also added in a five-yard rush. This is an ascending talent, and this is somebody who can be a red zone target as well or a corner end zone target for Russell Wilson. So David Moore, somebody to keep an eye on there. You like that? You like that? Yeah, you like that, baby. Yeah, David Moore, Seattle Seahawks. You can check out. I'll tweet it out, at AndyMC81. My two other fantasy uh, sleepers of the week. Guys, I wanted to get get to this. We were talking the Red Dead Redemption game. Red Dead Redemption 2 came out. I got it for my PS4, and I love the original. The game played it a couple hours last night. Sick, the graphics. But DraftKings put out a contest. Get this. Red Dead Redemption 2 Gunslinger Shootout. Free to enter at DraftKings.com. This is cool. So get this. You pick six quarterbacks. It's all quarterbacks. You got to pick six quarterbacks out of the Sunday slate. I think it's amazing. So for me, I picked Andrew Luck versus Oakland, Andy Dalton against uh, Tampa Bay, Jared Goff versus the Pack, Russell Wilson against Detroit, Cousins versus New Orleans, and then Drew Brees because I think that one's going to be a major shootout. But within the salary cap range, it's uh, that was a lot of fun. So give that a shot. Uh, NFL Red Dead Redemption 2. Just a cool little side thing. You pick all quarterbacks. Gunslinger shootout. So there you go, folks. If you missed any of the program, you can get us on iTunes. I'll tweet it out at AndyMC81 on Twitter, at TSN4Downs, and Instagram at AndyMCSports. So there you go. For producer Sean Lavery, technical producer Aradis Vandy, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN4Downs. Enjoy the games, folks.